Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Rundown Podcast. We are coming at you with a very special episode today. Today it's going to be just me and Jackson, and we're going to be discussing a more in-depth version of the upcoming NCAA Division I cross-country championships. It will be in Stillwater, Oklahoma, hosted by the Oklahoma State Cowboys this upcoming Saturday, November 19th. Yeah, so like I said, we've only got just the two of us here today because uh, everyone else has homework because uh, we're college students. Uh, but let's just go ahead and get it right started uh, looking at the regional uh, results. Uh, specifically, let's start with the Great Lakes region, uh, just to work our way down the list. Uh, Great Lakes, you know, I do have to say, I was surprised with the men's results. I, I did not think Michigan would get third to Notre Dame. I thought it was going to go Wisconsin, Michigan, Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, uh, and it wasn't necessarily really close. And Notre Dame beat them out 61-79. to And, I mean, obviously led by Carter Solomon, very impressive, you know, up-and-coming runner. So, you know, r- no real surprise there. But I just a little shocked. I thought Tom Brady and his crew of guys up in Ann Arbor – we're going to get it done. I'd agree. I think I mean, it just shows you how much, how crucial your fourth and fifth guy are because uh, Notre Dame had 15, 17, 18 for their three, four, and five. And Michigan brought in with 16, which was right there with them, but then also 24 and then 32, which really, it's really where those points are because with your top couple guys, it's maybe one or two point fluctuation. But when you get to your fourth and fifth guys, it could be five-point differences oh, just it, with how they run. Points can add up astronomically quickly. And, I mean, you see that Notre Dame had all seven of their guys finish before Michigan had five across the line. Yeah. So, and and I mean, Butler had one and two, but they went fourth place overall. Well, and they But they were close on Michigan. They were only three points behind. Right. And, I mean, but you see that that's because they did a really good job pack running because, you see, they got first and second and then 25, 26, 28. Right. So if those three guys – you know, run ten seconds faster. That's twenty less points. I was almost. about to say they're g- they're gonna drop a good amount of points, and Butler might be able to make a little. I I would not be surprised to see Butler do something. I said, in the Nationals. I, I'm about to say I don't think they made it as a team, but I know individual wise, they're obviously sending quite a few people. Oh, uh, here let's see the starting line for Nationals. They will be sending the entire team. Butler is Butler sending the entire team. They will be in box number sixteen to start off. So, hey, maybe maybe Butler not necessarily is a dark horse to win it all, but a dark horse to maybe make a podium appearance. Absolutely, which we'll be getting to later. Yep. All right, moving on to the next division. Oh well, actually, are we going to do women's? women's, My bad. Okay, my bad. We'll get women's for each. Okay. I, my bad. I completely flipped over that. Uh, women's, you know, I think the biggest surprise here for me was the fact that Addie Angle for Ohio State got beat by junior Olivia Markenzich from Notre Dame. I was not, ex- you know, Addie Engel has looked dominant for Ohio State most of the year. She hasn't won every race, but she has been you know, towards the end of the season, been very dominant. You saw she came out 
and conference a few weeks prior, and you know she won by ten seconds in a very competitive Big Ten women's meet. So to to have her, you know, run three seconds faster than she did at conference and lose, that caught me by surprise. But as far as individual results go, you know, Notre Dame crushed and Ohio State got second, which is everything I expected. Right. I would have I'm surprised that Michigan State finished as low as they did. Yeah, and I mean it's it was a relatively close I mean eight points. Eight points. Which behind once again Michigan. So well, I mean, Michigan taking third in both of those. Really, if you look at the variation from second to sixth, you've got from Ohio State to Toledo, it's not even 20, I mean, it's 21 points. I mean, you cut down your, five, your like we said earlier, your five and six, because Toledo, they went 5, 11, 29, 39, 48. That last person, the last two guy, girls, you cut down a little bit of time and you could have jumped up to fourth. Oh, absolutely. With with ease. So very competitive race. You know, it dropped off after that, you know, substantially. But And what's crazy is when you're racing that, you can't even tell if it's going to be a competitive or not. No. You're just you're just running your heart out. And if it ends up being competitive, you don't even realize how close that was. Yeah, your coach is yelling at you. but yeah, that You point, have no idea what that means. I was about to say, you have no idea. They're, they're yelling at you whether or not you're winning. So, like. <laughs> uh, you have no control of. Because you, like you said, obviously you're going out there to win every right. race, do your best, but you've got no clue that you're behind Wisconsin by three points. So, and once again, that pack running too with Michigan State. I mean, they had their sixth person was in their uh, pack of four and five. It was thirty five, thirty six, and thirty eight right there, and then well, even their seventh was placed forty one. So they had a nice little pack. Right, they were right there all together. Which is what you like to see if you, you've got the numbers there, but if you can just move those numbers down. But well, even having that seventh runner there is taking away points from other teams. Well, it definitely wasn't the day they were hoping for after such a good showing at the Big Ten Championships. Right. But, you know, you win some and you lose some. And Michigan State women, I guess they'll just have to move and grow from that because I'm not sure what else you do. Although, the women's team... They did get an at-large bid, so the team is right. going to nationals. So we'll see if they can put together a little bit better of a showing there. Anything else? I've got nothing else. All right, moving on. What region you want to do next? I'm just working on the line that the U.S. something or other with right. too many letters going. So mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic region it is. Moving down to the men's 10K. I, real, I can't say there were... Too too many surprises here for me. Um, I would say the biggest surprise I wouldn't even say surprise necessarily was the fact that Georgetown gapped over Princeton as largely as that. I thought Princeton would be more competitive with Georgetown for that number two spot, but Villanova and Georgetown and really Princeton had their th- one two three spots set they all had a pretty big gap in between them so right there wasn't really any movement there but i mean obviously villanova led by liam murphy you know 
not much yeah. you can do on a very hard course, I might add, because you see first place finished in 29.52, which is one of the slower right. winners of the day, but very challenging course up in the mid-Atlantic. Yeah, with one time coming in under 30 minutes. Yeah. Compared to, as we were talking about, the mountain region earlier, where we had 41 guys finish sub-29. So, yeah. absolutely unreal. Which, for a 10K, is very good. Yeah. To put that in perspective, Liam Murphy ran a slow time to win the Mid-Atlantic race, and he was doing 4.48 for his average mile time. That's a, he, that's unreal that his average mile was two seconds faster than the second-place guy. That's faster than my 5K pace. Well, you... <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not good, but, like, you know... <laughs> Better say we're not running for Villanova here. <laughs> we're, we we aren't D one, but like still, I feel like that's just absolutely insane. Yeah. And that would be considered a hard course in a slower time. Yeah, it's very, very impressive. But I don't think anything noteworthy, at least out of the top pack, top bunch of right boys. And moving on to the women's again. I will, Georgetown, you know, I thought West Virginia might be able to give him more of a push, but Georgetown, you know, I can't say that I expected West Virginia to really give him a challenge for that first place, but is it a 40-point gap? I feel like they could have, I feel like West Virginia could have done a little better than that, especially considering they had the overall winner in uh, Selly McGabe, who, in my eyes, I think can be, a top end competitor at nationals this coming weekend. So, but West Virginia and Georgetown, I felt like they were locks. And then, you know, you drop a, off another 30, 40 points and you've got Penn at 104. So, nothing much to say about that. Yeah, either. just a very big gap right there. And something I've kind of noticed on both sides is that as far as the individual results go, there's definitely a a little bit more variety than in some other regions I will see of teams that have pack run. And then you see teams like this where you've got maybe sets of two for certain schools, but you don't have much uh, consistency of teams in the top 15. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you look at Georgetown. They went 2, 5, 6, 10, 14, 15, 27. Then West Virginia won 13, 17, 18, 26, 43, 70. So, right. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I like that you pointed that out. I'm moving on to the Midwest. Midwest men's. I was actually extremely shocked by this. The fact that Tulsa beat Oklahoma State shocked me. By a tiebreaker. By a tiebreaker. Still, I didn't think... I thought Oklahoma State was a shoo-in for the win. I thought they were going to sweep men's and women's. But, I mean, like you said with the pack running, Tulsa with 3, 4, 5, 6. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely unreal. I do want to give a shout-out, though, to Loyola, Illinois, with Ryan Martins, 29-41, breaking up those <laughs> that first pack. If it wasn't for him... Oklahoma State and Tulsa would have had the top seven runners. But he came in 
and just broke that pack up. Ran very well. Right. Very well. But, yeah. No, Oklahoma State did did not see that coming at all. I thought, I thought, like I said, I thought they were locks, but. Yeah, they. Tulsa had other plans, apparently. And it's, once again, that fifth runner. Yeah. That really scared him. Because three, four, five, six, and then 31, which is a lot of points. I mean, it helps that you've got Oklahoma State coming with 12, 13, 16, which adds up a lot of points together, but still. Yeah. Well, I mean, you saw on the women's side, Oklahoma State got things done, winning by 30 points, 58 to 88, with Northwestern getting the second-place bid. Um. You know, I thought Bradley was going to be second personally. I was a little bit not shocked by Northwestern, just, hey, my prediction was wrong. But, I mean, you see how similar they are. I mean, it really it came down to Bradley. They lost by 11 points. Their number five guy was 15 places behind Northwestern's number five. So it just came down like, I mean, I've, it's repeated time and time again. It's just coming down to that fifth guy and, and Bradley's ladies, they, their fifth just didn't have it today. So unfortunately for them. However, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that lost them their team bid to the... Oh, it did. Bradley did not get their their team bid. So unfortunately, you know... You always you always hate to see that that team the team not being able to finish because of that one person because I mean it's like we've said as much as running is an individual sport you know it's there's so much of a massive team aspect to it and you just hate to see things like that absolutely anything else you want to add I've got nothing else to add there all right, move us on over to the next region. All right, moving on to the mountain region, which we were uh, foreshadowing a little bit too before. Yes, sir. Uh, mountain region, I'm not going to lie. You want to know what my biggest shock was? What's that? I feel like everyone knew NAU and BYU were going to be our two automatic qualifiers. But I thought BYU, led by Casey Klinger, was going to beat... Northern Arizona. And you know what? Casey Klinger didn't even win for BYU. This is the same guy who at conference weeks before ran eight seconds off the world record with a 21.59. And he came in and got sixth. Now, granted, if you go from first place to 10th place, there's a 10-second gap. So these right. top 10 so guys. So they're all running yeah, right together, which is a really competitive race to run. And, I mean, you can see, I mean, even just throughout, you go farther you go farther down the line and you've got massive gap, a massive pack together, almost, I'd say almost 25 people within 10 seconds of each other. Well, I mean, that's what you got. You look at here from 11th place to uh, 20th place, it's two seconds. I mean, you're having these guys 
come in just groups of 10, 12 people just on top of each other. And you see, you end up seeing more of that in track races. Yeah. But you don't really see that in cross country because no. courses just beat, 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 beat people up yeah. and you start losing it. I mean, that's what, like we, I mentioned, Casey Klinger. He finished .3 seconds behind his teammate for sixth place. So, I mean, just another extremely competitive. You know what other race was extremely competitive that we'll get to? Was the South region. Yeah. You know, you had first place, uh, Alabama, Victor Kiprop. He got first place, you know, took away with it somewhat convincingly. But you had second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth come in as a just massive pack. So really interesting to see how the regions varied like that as well. Because we have, we haven't seen anything like this in any other region. Right. It's been... And that just... I mean, you just know that was a hard sprint and a hard finish at the end. And that just kind of shows you what kind of runner Casey Klinger is. He's definitely not the guy who you are going to count on for a sprint at the end. No, if that's how he... If that's how you finished a, a 10K race. Yeah. Well, I mean, still, 14.04 average. Right. I mean, still nutty. very impressive nonetheless, but. Absolutely nuts. And, well, I mean, you see it like you go through um, not quite a little over the halfway split. You have eight guys who came in between 15.50.4.0 and 1554.7. You had eight guys in under a second at the halfway mark. I mean, you start adding other guys who dropped out of that pack. Yeah. Uh, and you've got a, just a massive group. Yeah. And once again, you just don't see that in cross country all that often. No, not at all. So, but, but a like very, a, very competitive, very likely that we'll see that pack once again at nationals together. Throwing a couple guys from other regions. It can be a competitive nationals finish for sure. BYU and NAU, they're, they've butt heads all season as a team and as individuals, and they're going to continue that trend at nationals. Those are both very high, high-end, top-tier teams. And something about nationals course, I don't know much about this course because I know that at uh, Florida State last year, that course is very conducive to large packs running together. How do you know anything about this course? If that I have seen things on ESPN and I've um seen uh representatives for different broadcasting companies talk about it. I saw I can't pull in his name right now, but he tweeted out that the Stillwater course for nationals is the most well prepared course he's ever seen. Really? He said it was phenomenal. And he said it should be a very fast, very competitive, very honest race. That is very exciting to see. So that. it very exciting. Right. So. Because, I mean, if you're comparing that to even last year's, where, once again, a very fast course, very well done, very well put together, there's still elements of it that beat the crap out of you. Well, and that's what, this, this course does have hills. Right. This course does have hills, so you can't count that out, but, like I said. Yeah, which is what really puts together a good cross-country race, as a good variety, good good set of elements. Yeah, gotta have a little bit of everything. All right, moving on to the women's. The women's, is Northern Arizona didn't get the they they're going for the women's side, but they didn't get the automatic bid by losing its tiebreaker to Utah. Which that's the first thing that shocked me is that the Northern Arizona women didn't really have that great of a day. But you know the other thing that shocked me is Colorado got fifth 
after we saw them with a top two finish at conference. They beat out, they only lost to Utah at conference. And I don't even know, and Utah at conference with Utah, they tied and just happened to lose the tiebreaker. And here at regionals, they got fifth and finished 30 points behind Utah. So that's my biggest surprise. I mean, we knew New Mex- the New Mexico women were going to run away with it, and that's right. what they did. There's nothing surprising about that. But two through f- two through five, I was not expecting that in the least. So very interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, but yet, like we said, New Mexico women had uh, fifth and then eighth, ninth, thirteenth, and then, you know, obviously... There, number five dropped off a little bit, falling to twenty-one. But right, but I mean that just shows you how cross country you can have a team that they're not necessarily dominant, but as long as they're in the right spot, they can do well. Yeah. Oh, this this just like we mentioned with depth earlier, very deep team. Right. And we didn't necessarily see it at regionals of their pack running, but these girls tend to run together very well in that pack running. Yeah. So, but like I said, nothing surprised me. You know, good win by Evelyn Kimboy out of Utah Valley. Congratulations. Seemed, you know, 10 second victory. And then there was another 10 second gap between second and third. So, not really a competitive, super competitive individual race at the top. You know, and I think that reflects on the team race as well. Not really super competitive at the top. Right. Which is just a very stark contrast, even just comparing that back to the men's race. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yep. Hundred percent. All right. Where are we moving on to next? Moving on to the Northeast region. The Northeast region, and we're moving to the men. I don't have much to say on this because everything here kind of played out how I expected it to. I would say the biggest thing here was the Providence boys losing the tiebreaker to Cornell to right. force third and fourth. That de- but. You know, as far as first and second, Syracuse and Harvard, you know, Harvard had their boys at the top, but, you know, they fell off. Syracuse more condensed, and and it just is what it is. I don't have much to say about that. Yeah, I've got nothing much yep, from here right. either. I mean, you can see, once again, just groups running together. Uh, I mean, it was a good, it was a rather relatively close finish, but not really. Well, and I, will I mean, they ran together most of the race, but then they just they separated themselves out for that finish. This is while it's not the slowest course of the day for the men. For the women, they had a very tough time with this course. With your winner winning in twenty twenty, which rough. If, well, think about it. Just a rough number in general. Uh, yeah. Dune at Embry Riddle, twenty twenty two. That's a that's, that's a, rough a course. really rough course, and that's Division two. Yeah. So I mean, this I mean the women like on the guys side, definitely one of the slower races of the day, but you still had you know a handful a dozen guys under thirty. You, right. You had the winner finishing twenty nine fourteen. So, oh, uh, you know, just interesting, sh- you know. Maybe I wonder if their six court six k loop had a little bit different of an element to it. Maybe 
Maybe. I'm no expert on the uh, uh, New York courses there. No, I have not. Could not tell you much about that. Um, And like I said, I think the thing that surprised me the most about this, and it's not really a surprise, it was just a bad day by the fifth runner, is that Columbia isn't going to get the automatic bid. They're going to have to settle for, I believe, no. They didn't make it as a team because they lost by eight. and But they had they sent three, three individuals from the region. They're the only three individuals, and Columbia sent three of them. They're the only three to go from the region wow. individually because they had five, six, and seven. And then they fell to 28, which was still competitive, but that number five didn't finish yeah. until 53rd. And that shows you, I mean, cross country is very much a team sport. And the fact that you need everyone there and you need everyone to show up and do their best. Yeah. Well, I mean, I tell you what, if these Columbia, if Columbia can bring in a fifth girl next year, their top three are two sophomores and a freshman. Columbia women next year could run the Northeast region. Absolutely. Having three of the top ten already, you know, obviously your four and your five have got to improve, but if you can bring in a stud freshman... I mean, that can completely turn the program around. Have a big jump next year. All right, moving on to which region next, Jackson? Going to your south region there. Oh, I like my south region. South region, we raced here. The John Hunt course in Huntsville, Alabama. So, you know, obviously, I'll I'll give my comments. Uh, It's known as one of the more, it's known as one of the quicker races. In the nation, I'll say this: I think it's overhyped. I would say, really? I would say Florida State is equally as fast. Yeah. So, that's you know my two cents worth. But I think this made me extremely happy to watch. Uh I projected Alabama and Tennessee to go one-two, but Tennessee won. And Ole Miss got second. Alabama just did not have it. And they looked they looked well with number one coming in. They did. And then, I mean, even seven coming in for their second place. Yeah, I mean, Victor Kiprop, you know, had a nice showing. But, I mean, you see the times where I'm talking about, like, this. look at the John Huntsville, 29-21. You're finishing slower right. than the guys up in the Northeast. And, I mean, you saw all those girls were finishing. Yeah, very interesting. And last week was a cooler week, especially with that hurricane that it came through. It yeah. it closed down the weather a lot. I mean, there was a little bit of rain, but you know, nothing. But that doesn't that shouldn't really slow you down as much as no. That course it, won't get muddy. No, yeah, no. It, it just it really just cools you down in, as a person. Not really that. And I do want to talk about you see the um. Number two through number five all finished within point three seconds of each other. I don't know if you've seen the videos. I don't know if you follow any of those guys, but Yasin Abdallah, a grad transfer from Texas, running for Tennessee now. He's got lots more eligibility than a grad transfer would, very much like Sam. Um, But he was talking about on his social medias how they were running into the finish, and they were just talking and he asked if he was allowed to get second place. So, you know, very interesting aspect there right. with the pack running, which, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, or if it just looked right. like them calm into the finish. But very interesting because, I mean, you see a seven – Victor Kiprop won by seven seconds, but then you got 28-6, 28-7, 28-7, 28-9. Right. Big, big bunch there. Um, but Tennessee, I'll tell you right there, I think Tennessee is going to be a dark horse this weekend. Led by Yasin Abdallah and Dylan Jacobs, that one-two punch has been deadly. I think it's gotten deadlier as the season's gone on, and you've seen they don't fall off. They had yeah. two, three, eight, ten, and sixteen. Right, that's that is a that's, strong, strong five. That is what strong six. Yeah, yeah, strong six, which is really good to see. Yeah, because you know that if you got one guy having a rough day. You gets, should yep, gets you injured should or just is feeling weaker. Yeah, so I I really like this Tennessee team. I think they have what it takes to you know make an unexpected splash on the national course, and I'm looking forward to it. However, moving over to the woman, you know we can't say we didn't see this coming. Parker Volby, University of Florida, with a 20 second victory. Very impressive. Very impressive. And, I mean, again, with the team thing. Alabama I, coming in. I had to say nothing I didn't see coming. Alabama and Florida State. I know I would have liked to see Ole Miss put up a better fight, but I can't say it was expected of them. But, like I said, we knew Alabama was going to be very. Because we saw them do the same thing at conference. They wiped the floor. Look at that. Two, three, four, five. All within six seconds of each other. Yep. So they were really just really just strolling along with each other there. Yep. When first place is that far ahead, they're not really trying to fight for that, especially if they've got two through five. With not a significant gap, but definitely a gap behind them. Yep. About six seconds, and then another five seconds after that is the rest of the people coming in. 100%. So a very predictable day. Out of Huntsville, Alabama. And once again, that Alabama group, rather young, uh, two juniors, and then a freshman and a senior. So they definitely have promising years that they can get if they can just improve their next couple runners and possibly get some new good recruits in coming in. 100%. 100%. Moving on to the South Central region. South mm-hmm. Central region. This one down in, hosted by Texas A&M. Arkansas and Texas, one and two, not you know exactly what I expected. They both had a they were they were tight, and then a massive drop to third, and then an even bigger drop to fourth. It, again, consistent. All these guys are consistent all year. They did basically what they were supposed to do. No surprises on the guys' side for me. I'd agree. Yeah, I mean. You've got the top five people coming in between Arkansas and Texas. Yeah. And then you've got Texas A&M and Arkansas State with just a, a, an assortment of people coming in from the next couple of uh, spots, ranging all the way up to 67th place, which, I mean, I don't know. Did they get their automatic bids? Uh, or not automatic bids, but did they did they get put in the... Who are you asking about? Texas A&M and Arkansas State. Texas and Arkansas State, I know, did not get the 
um, at large bid. However, Texas A and M did not either. Not. Okay, so that no. I mean that makes sense to just how spread out their team was coming in, but still, I mean I feel still impressive to say that you got third in your region. Yeah, but like I said, with a region that includes an Arkansas team that's always going to be competitive and a Texas team that will always be competitive. Yep. Third, that's basically, hey, you got pity points, first place. Congratulations. Like, we knew you weren't going to do any higher than third unless one of these teams had an absolute collapse. Right. So you really won the race for the most part. However, you know, same story. Arkansas women have been dominant, dominant for years, and Texas, uh, same thing, you know, pure dominance, uh, nothing surprising. I would say the most surprising thing, really, is the fact that the Arkansas women went 1-4, 11-12-21. I would have thought it would have been 1, you know, 3-4, then like 14-15, so... My biggest surprise is honestly that Arkansas performed as slowly as they did. But right, but I mean, even then, they could have dropped even more spots. Isn't they were still a significant amount ahead of Texas as far as team points go. Uh, but that's just that's just saving energy for state or not state for nationals, nationals coming up. They wanted it if you don't need to. Kill yourself out there. You don't. You don't want to have to kill yourself out there. One hundred percent, especially with just a weak turnaround. You know? Right. It's not as big of a deal for the girls going back to back six Ks because a lot of them did back to back five Ks in high school. But for the guys, for the guys, back to back ten Ks at you know really messes at, with them for say, sure. That can be detrimental if you don't prepare right, don't do it right. So, yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. All right. Southeast region. NC State women. 1, 2, 3, 7, 12, 14, 20. Absolutely not, dominant. Not a surprise there. NC State women led by Caitlin Tui. And then, I mean, Kelsey Chamel has been r- relatively close behind her all season. And I can't say that surprises me. I mean, <laughs> this team did what they've been doing all season, and that's just pure dominance, and that wasn't going to stop it. Uh, regionals, and it, I don't think it's going to stop at nationals either. Oh, absolutely. So, Caitlin Tui is my pick to win it all this upcoming weekend. We'll see how that goes. But it's going to be a race between her and Parker Volvi for sure. Can't really disagree with you there. Yeah. And then moving over... I actually really was I was ex- so extremely excited to watch this because I didn't think this was going to happen. I thought Wake Forest was going to do what they did at conference and, you know, slowly as the race went on, look better and better. But you know what? Wake, if anything, started falling apart slowly over this race because North Carolina Tar Heels, led by sophomore Parker Wolf, win. After getting third in the eight, after getting third in conference the week before, beat out Virginia and Wake Forest when it really counted, and got the automatic bid to nationals. Right. And you know what? A large part of that, obviously, Parker Wolf got second. He got second in the 
ACC championship, the largest part of it to me is that second-place finisher in North Carolina, Patrick Anderson, finishing sixth with one of the best races, in my opinion, he's had all season as far as a team aspect goes and placement-wise. And beating out in a sprint. I mean, you have him at 29.59 yep. in sixth place. You come down to ninth place, and it's still 29.59. So. Tenth place, 30.01.1. Yeah. So. so, and then this times right after that are not much farther behind. Seconds, even, which means that they were really running that pack, and he really had to push himself there, which winning a sprint at the end of the 10K is very impressive. And, I mean, that's really because that's NC State and Wake Forest and Virginia, you know, gaining points back. And, I mean, obviously, North Carolina ended up winning by 20. So, phenomenal showing by the Tar Heels. But and yeah, you love to see it. It could have been much closer if if anything in that pack goes differently. Could have been a completely different story completely for sure. Completely different. 100%. 100%. Because you have to think, not only does that add, say, adds four points to North Carolina's team score, but it takes off if Virginia off. scores three yep. more points or whatever. Three less points, yeah, exactly. Could so be. I loved seeing that from the Tar Heels because I think the Tar Heels can really, the next couple years, show dominance. Absolutely. And I love it being led by two sophomores. Moving on to our final region, and quite possibly, again, another super expected region, super calm, the West region. With the men, you had Stanford and Gonzaga. It, you know, exactly what they were supposed to do. Nothing really surprising there. Um, not much to say, really. I mean, I think the biggest surprise to me was the fact that Charles Hicks didn't win. He got third, which... It'll be interesting because, like I said, we just talked about the two 10Ks back-to-back. How much of him was saying, all right, we're going to have the team race on lock. I'll let these two guys, you know, out-sprint me for the finish. Right. So, And it really was, you know, once again, close races. 100%. 10 what? guys scoring within, I mean, sorry, Five, six guys scoring within 10 seconds of each other. I mean, and another fast race, too, with 24 guys under 29. Absolutely. Really fast course, really fast race. Out west, they just build them different. I think that's got a lot to do with the weather because you'll see them come over. I mean, even you you saw them over in uh, Florida State last year. It definitely hurt some of them, just the heat, because that was a much warmer day. I mean, even just compared to that week. That week was a cold week, and then that day it got much warmer. Yeah, 100%. And go moving over to the women, we had Stanford and Oregon, which, again, nothing surprising, not much to talk about. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to Kaylee Mitchell, Oregon State, bringing home the win. He'd love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. So congratulations to her. But I think it's time to move over to some of our national projections. Um, personally, I, I'll i tell you, I think my individual winner for the men, men's race, 
I'm going to have to go with Charles Hicks out of Stanford. Yes, he just got third in the regional meet. I think he's capable of much more. Um, you know, I'm not sure what else to really say. I, you know, that's where my faith is. As far as the team race goes, I'm also going to go with Stanford, led by Charles Hicks, as they have been a very dominant, top-heavy team for a long time. They've had a lot of great runners come through their program, but they have not won a title since, I believe, 2002. It's in the early 2000s. So as far as in the sports world goes, you know, with a team that's dominant like this, that's almost considered a drought as far as winning. So I think Stanford, led by Charles Hicks, turns that around this weekend. And then, as far as the women go, I'm going to go with Caitlin Tui winning the overall race. Like I said, she's my right. favorite. But I'm going to go with the Arkansas women. Arkansas women taking the dub. And, however, I do think NC State will be an absolute dogfight for them. So I will not be surprised if NC State ends up taking the dub. But I didn't want to be basic and choose the individual champion, be the team champion in both cases. So I'm going to Arkansas. So that's going to be all we have time for uh, today. Thank you for joining us as we uh, discuss cross country. Uh, for those of you who don't care about running, uh, there won't be any more until we get to track. Uh, but thanks for joining us nonetheless. I remember to follow us on Instagram and all that great stuff. Uh, subscribe, share us with all your friends. And we will be back tomorrow morning with your college football. Catch us on the run.